Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I am your host. And today on the show, we're going to talk with Dr. Rachel Peterman um, about uh, lots of things regarding discipline, but one specific thing that will kind of guide our time together is this principle of connecting while correcting. Um, and so we'll, we've got Becca McKay here also with us, and we're just going to talk, um, Becca and Rachel and I, about uh, connecting while correcting and why that is so key in, uh, you know, the, the parenting that we are all trying to do, trying to parent through an attachment-based, uh, connection-based uh, lens. And so um, we're, we've got them on today. Uh, this is continuing in a series of talking about discipline. And so uh, what I would say is uh, if you are listening to this kind of not right when it first posts. Uh, just know this is part of the bigger series on discipline that we believe kind of is a holistic work. And so um, each episode is kind of a helpful piece of that puzzle of, of helping to figure out discipline and having a framework for discipline in your home. And so uh, without any further ado, now here they are, Dr. Rachel Peterman and Becca McKay and myself talking about connecting while correcting. All right, well, as we said, today here uh, is uh, Becca McKay and Dr. Rachel Peterman. Um, Rachel is the program manager for Safe and Secure Tennessee, which uh, I'll let her share more about in a second, um, but is our, our statewide works. So we have three programs at Empower to Connect. There's the Empower to Connect Institute, which does um, content. There is the Safe and Secure Tennessee program, which works across the state, and we'll hear more about that in a second. And then locally, our Memphis Family Connection Center, which you've heard um, folks from in the past, which does uh, clinical therapeutic work here with families in the Memphis area. And so, uh, Rachel, thank you for being here. I cut you off earlier. Sorry. Um, why don't you, for people who have not heard you um, share about this yet on an episode, will you just kind of give us a, a brief, you know, your professional background and then what Safe and Secure is doing statewide? Yeah, sure. Um, good to be here and um, love coming on the podcast with you guys. It's so much fun to talk to you guys about things that I'm excited about. And I, um, my background is in psychology, school psychology. So um, for those of you who haven't heard me yet before, um, I have a PhD in psychology from the University of Memphis and did therapy at the Memphis Family Connection Center for a number of years. Also have worked in schools and um, lots of other organizations around the Memphis area. Um, then a couple years ago, after doing a lot of training and consulting with organizations in Memphis, we expanded our training and consulting work to launch the program Safe and Secure Tennessee. So for Safe and Secure, we provide training, coaching, um, in the trust-based relational intervention or TBRI principles all across the state. And we do that by primarily supporting TBRI practitioners. Um, we help organizations and individual professionals that understand TBRI and want to implement it. We help them get that information, deepen their knowledge, and then actually apply it in the, the day in and day out so that the systems can then serve all of our kiddos um, and all work together to serve them best. And as we were expanding that work across the state, we were also com having conversations with TCU um, and applying to be an ambassador at work for them. And so we are um, an ambassador organization for 
um, the Care and Purpose Institute of Child Development out of TCU. And so that's um, kind of where the TBRI piece fits within that work. And so we're super grateful for their partnership um, and love them. I mean, we love all the all the folks down there at TCU. So uh, yeah, that's great. Okay, so thank you. So before we jump into the topic um, today, Becca, why don't you kind of lay out the framework for, for how we're going to view this discussion today? Absolutely. Um, man, when you hear the word just discipline, I think the first thing that jumps to people's mind is this idea of like correcting behavior, like discipline is when I have to correct behavior. And that is 100% part of it. The reason we talked uh, before we hit record, uh, the reason that we're really intentional about this idea of connecting while correcting is because we tend to kind of like just alienate those two things in two really different buckets. And we're like, well, this is the connection piece, family game night, pizza coming to support you at your soccer game. And then correcting is do your homework, your brother. Like we just completely isolate them from each other. And even if you were to Google this idea of like connection and correction, you would find it's connect before you correct. And so even then you're seeing it as two separate buckets. First, connect right. with our kid. And then lay the hammer down and let them know, let them know what's up. <laughs> and so I think the difference that we want to bring to the conversation is this idea that actually, while you are correcting, you are, you know, letting them know the boundary while you're steering them in the right direction, while you're redirecting them from one behavior to another, you can actually maintain connection throughout that process. Um, and so that's what we want to bring to this conversation. Yeah. So, uh, Rachel, when we begin to think about, uh, however subtle they might be, the differences between connecting before correcting and connecting while correcting, Becca talked on it, it being, it, when you think about them as a sequential thing, it still separates them until uh, until you come back. So when we're looking at connecting while correcting, what are some of the differences in that? And then why, why is that so important for us to understand? Um, I think... We can start with it, like what is connecting before correcting. And I think one of the biggest pieces of that is to focus on the relationship with your kid, right? It's like sort of the bigger picture, making sure that we are connected. Um, and that's just sort of foundational, right? In a lot of what we talk about with ETC and with TBRI and Safe and Secure, all of our work kind of focuses on building that relationship, which we do through connection. So then when you think about, uh, maybe something has happened. So you're talking about discipline. We've got something that's challenging before we jump into, okay, don't do that. Right. Like before we start telling people or telling our kiddos what to do differently, how to do better, et cetera. We want to make sure that we are really drawing on that relationship and saying, look, I've got you. So you want to make sure you're actually connected with them in that moment on the front end. Like, okay, look, we're in this together. We're going to do something here because this is my job as your parent caregiver to support you through this. So if you're not connected on the front end and you jump in, it's almost um, like disconnected, right? Literally, like that would, I didn't really mean that pun, um, but it kind of came out. Um, but it is like, wait, where is this coming from? Why are you just telling me what to do? So I think that's the before piece. And I think it's relevant yeah. and we need to do that. Um, but then the connecting while correcting is really about taking it through. So actually, um, it's interesting when I think of it this way, because a lot of that is about what we do with safe and secure. It's like you can kind of say it on the front end, 
but how do you actually get through the hard stuff? You need someone there with you. So a big part of what we're doing, I'm doing with adults, but I also do with my own children at home and used to help with therapy and like helping families to do this is to in the moment connect and stay connected and help the kiddos know like, I'm here with you. Let's figure this out so that we can do what's best for you in the long run, right? Because we got to teach them things and they got to learn how to how to live in the world and follow the rules yeah. and the structure that's there, right? So um, staying connected while you are helping them learn to do better is so important too. So that's, I think, can I don't I just, know, it sounds like the both. And I want to piggyback on something that you just said, which is you said, and then we just figure out what they need to keep moving. And so I think um, maybe the, you know, as you're connecting before, and then as again, that correction, sometimes we skip this really important step of just like, let's be curious about what's really going on. Like, what actually is this? Because it can be so easy. We see things. Um, I mean, we see adults, we see it with kids and we're like, that's not right. It's easy to see the like areas of concern, but we often miss so much of what could be contributing to that behavior. Yeah. And so if we can be curious before and during, that is going to be a game changer in our ability to connect while we correct, connect before we correct. Um, and it's really going to be helpful. And so I think, yeah, there's just so much, like we often just think, well, they're just making a choice to do, to do the wrong thing because they're being selfish or because they're being demanding or because they're being attention seeking define we just are quick to categorize things it's just we talk about this all the time on the etc podcast but there's just so much more that's going on underneath of that behavior right i really like the um this idea of being curious and wondering it reminds me of so much of what we do like even in therapy or what i do at home is like trying to figure out what's going on, right? Um, really, sometimes we have to get super structured with it and actually write down. Like um, I remember in grad school learning about, you know, ABC charts and what was before the behavior, what happened after the behavior, very behavioral focus, right? But a lot of the time we are trying to just figure out what is contributing to this? Why is this happening? Because once we understand, it helps us to do what's needed to move forward right? right if we don't know what's going on it just becomes about us and not about what's actually going on with with your kiddo yeah so yeah no i i completely agree with that and i think the that there's so many times where there's similarities or metaphors we can pick up from and to me the the analogy of like finding out an issue that's happening with your car like if you if you keep having uh, specific things happening with your car, like you can't only think about the actual things coming up when there's a sequence of things happening. You have to then take it to a mechanic to go, Hey, curious to see what's going on here because I had this issue. Then I had this issue. Then I had this issue. So we tend to, uh, even medically we'll, we'll do that. Like if we have the, uh, you know, remember my, my dad years ago just saying, Hey, I'm having these, this couple string of certain, um, symptoms in a row and the way they were sequenced together like could have been part of something much bigger and so that was the concern like so I think we always have to take that same approach and thinking with our kids like 
uh, one of the most helpful things that we encourage parents to do in Cultivate Connection um, that was helpful for us is just in the idea of, of getting curious, like maybe maybe it's time to keep some type of a chart, a loose a loose chart or some notes on, um, man, we are starting to see some consistent uh, meltdowns or dysregulation and just making notes of like, what's the context each time. And I would bet a large sum of money that if you, when you keep a steady record of those things, you're going to start to find some through lines or some threads that connect those things together. And so that's the thing. It's not, there's not an instant fix. There's no silver bullet. There's no like word that we're going to teach you in Greek that can stop kids like a Doberman who's well-trained or whatever. Like, now would that be nice? Yes. But we don't, we don't have that. But the thing that we're going to hopefully start doing together is looking for the sources of these things that are happening and addressing things at the source, not just constantly addressing the symptoms over and over again. I really like that. JD, you mentioned um, sort of the through line makes me think of patterns, um, yeah. recognizing patterns in the behavior. So when you're thinking about discipline and correcting, we're often looking for what's really going on and, and the way to figure that out and to better understand and be attuned to your kiddo is really looking for some of those patterns. Um, and even to take it to the next step of, of that connecting while correcting is if you're not paying attention, like, so you've got to write about what's going on around, right? Like, were they tired? Were they, you know, what's happening in the environment? Like all those things are relevant, but if you're totally disconnected from your kiddo, you don't really know what's going on internally. So the connection piece is your window to that, right? It's like, okay, what is this kid actually thinking? Um, not that they can always just say it. And I think that's really important to hold on to is that you can't just say, what are you thinking that will often come across? Not very well as also, but, um, you know, what, what are they thinking? What are, what is causing this? What is leading to this contributing to this? There are some thoughts that lead to those behaviors and they may, may be explicit. They may know what they are. I'm really mad. I don't like that they took my thing or I don't like that you're making me go to bed. I don't want to go to bed yet. Or, you know, someone hurt my feelings. I had a rough night at practice and they were mean and I didn't play well, whatever. Right. You might realize that if they're insightful enough to know that that's what's causing what's going on or they might not. So we become that detective to try to figure that out. And we can't do that if we're not connected, if they're not willing to share that, Oh, during practice, I'm thinking about my teenager, you know, sometimes in practice, things are frustrating. Things are hard, whether she's not playing well, or, you know, something a coach says things come up. And so if you don't have that conversation with them and stay connected on the front end and in the, in the midst of it, I now have a better understanding of that attitude and can at least, you know, address it in a way that's going to be helpful. And not make it worse. Right. So we're going to stay connected, then correct, which then could lead us into the more correction piece. Right. If I can start going there and say, you know, what do we do about that? Right. How do we fix it? Because one of the things that's so important and can be easily misunderstood about TBRI and, and, um, I feel like I got this a lot when I was doing therapy, it can feel very permissive and it's really important to, to recognize it's not that it's permissive. It's not that we're, rewarding that behavior, um, by connecting. That's not the problem, right? That's not what's really going on. 
we're not rewarding it. We're saying, oh, look, something's wrong. I'm here to help you figure that out. You've got an attitude, which is a sign that something else, you're being rude or mouthy, or you're not doing the thing I'm asking you to do. Okay. That means something's going on and how do I help you do it? And then you can get into like, all right, it's not okay to talk to me that way, but let's figure out what to do. Um, and then that's where your correction depends on what, what the kids need. And we can get into that even deeper, but that was, well, you're highlighting something super important, Rachel, like, um, a lot of times as, as adults, I'll say, and maybe really specifically as parents, we think our job is to enforce the right behavior and obedience now. And what we're asking of ourselves all the time is, is, am I okay with my role being, um, meeting needs? Because that's an important attachment role. And over time, that secure attachment, um, can lead to more mature behaviors and better, um, expressions of their feelings and better socio-emotional skills. And so I really like what you're saying because you're giving parents permission to see that meeting needs is your job. And from that, from that place, you're going to have hopefully, you know, some of the success that you want in getting some of those behaviors corrected and teaching skills and helping them process and all those different types of things. But it's really just permission to be a need meter, like an adult. That is okay to do. And that is right to do. It's not permissive. It is actually super thoughtful and intentional in those types of things. Yeah, I well, I completely agree. Um, I think the natural follow-up question to all of this first part of our conversation is, yeah, cool, but how, how can we do that? Like, <laughs> literally, how can we connect while correcting? And you might be thinking, I don't know if you've ever corrected before, JD, Rachel, and Becca, but you're not usually in the best mood when you're having to correct. So how do you then maintain connection? Is it forced smiles through gritted teeth? Which I would say, no, that doesn't really work. <laughs> but uh, how? what are some ways we can begin thinking about um, outside of the moment, you know, set, maintaining connection while correction has to happen? Um, I think it's really important that we recognize the differences in age and development. So I want to just start with that and say that how you respond and be connected to a two-year-old is different from how you're connected to a six-year-old. And that's different from how you connect to a 16-year-old. So that, you know, as we give examples and thoughts about that, I want to highlight that we can't cover everything. Um, But, but it is about knowing your kid, right? And thinking, okay, so if you're thinking about younger kids, um, playful engagement is, is what comes to mind is at least the place to start if we can. So playful engagement is a term that comes out of TBRI, um, has to do with the levels of, um, engagement and correction. And, um, when we're doing that with, there's some sort of mild misbehavior, right? So discipline is needed discipline, meaning, um, and I don't know if, how, how much we've defined this yet. And there are lots of definitions on discipline, but from my perspective and right now, what I'm talking about is teaching them how to, um, like the, the best or most helpful way to respond in the moment. So we're teaching them what to do. And, um, so if you've got a young kid, if it's mild, we're going to use playful engagement. We're going to play through it. We're going to just keep things moving forward by doing things like, 
wait, what? It's bedtime. I'm going to get upstairs first. Um, that's one of my favorites. It works really well. The kids lead it now half the time and nobody wants to be a rotten egg. And so they are running up the stairs, which terrifies me a little bit because they're running on the stairs. That's a whole different thing. I'm just going to roll with it for now. Nobody's fallen yet. And somebody um, will roll with it later. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling you. You're going to help me that week, JD. Um, no, but just something fun. If you can incorporate a game, just your tone and your voice, the way that you talk about it. It doesn't have to be, no, I, it's time for bed, go to bed. Like you don't have to get so big and mean and forceful um, immediately. It's like, how can I get some compliance and help them get into those routines and habits of just doing the right thing so they know it? That's a little more fun. And that's easier to do with younger kids. And it's easier to do as a parent or caregiver if that is part of your personality. That is not true for everyone. So being aware of that as well, it might be something that's hard for you. So just being playful, casual, um, that kind of thing. Older kids, it's going to take, it's a little different, right? Um, but I'd be like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, wait, I I can't hear those words. Like maybe they're saying, you know, the rule is like my, my teenager is not supposed to say bad words. Like that's the rule in our house. Um, and she knows that. And sometimes that comes out and it's okay. I'm not going to get all upset about it. I'm going to be like, wait, I, I don't think I heard you right. And all of a sudden it's corrected and it, she understands why it matters and all of that. So it's just a little bit of that play and fun that you can incorporate in. Um, I could keep talking, but I'm going to stop for a second and see what <laughs> either one of you have to add. Cause you know, I'll keep talking. So well, I'll, before Becca goes, I'll just interject that um, this is something that my wife is really good at. Elizabeth is, is really good at this. And so she, uh, if you have not, <laughs> this is going to be such a niche thing. I'm interested to see your comments on this, uh, listeners. There is an internet video that is hilarious. That it started, it was filmed in Memphis and it's, it always hits on the 4th of July. Um, and there is a guy in a wheelchair who is um, trying to light off fireworks. He starts lighting him off. But his chair is malfunctioning and he can't go backwards. So the commentary in the background is hilarious and nobody gets hurt. It's not, it doesn't involve any, it's not like everybody's laughing in the video. It's like all good fun. But the guy's name in the wheelchair is Terry. And so as the wick is like going down the fireworks, you hear the guy in the video is like, back it up, Terry, back it up, Terry, put it in reverse, Terry. Oh Lord. And then it starts, the fireworks start going off and Terry's laughing and he's trying to back up. And it ended in somebody buying Terry a new chair that would go like turbo speed in reverse. <laughs> but the, the, that clip like tickled our family so much. And it's one of those things that, like when you have a shared experience, when, when everybody does crack really hard at one thing, sometimes that reference in a moment can even like snap somebody out of dysregulation. So uh, Elizabeth will say, somebody starts getting an attitude. Sometimes she's like, Ooh, back it up, Terry. And as soon as she'll say that, they like, it'll usually crack a smile from them. And then she can say, let's just try it again. Come on. So I think being real with your kids, number one, and like, you know, especially as your kids get older, they have such a, uh, such a good 
insincerity sensor or or fake sensor and they can tell if you're just reciting things that you know you're supposed to say especially if you're using like a kid voice about it and so just being yourself and figuring out what are things what are ways that you can be playful with your kids that fits your personality not not just co-opting you know scripts that you hear but thinking about the principles of what can i say to bring some lightness to the some lightness uh lightweight to the environment and hopefully allow there to be a little bit of playfulness that can that can ease the tension some okay just one tiny comment because <laughs> this just reminded me of this um one of my very best friends um has this clip and she showed it to me i can't remember the whole thing because i watched it the one time but she says listen linda listen linda and she's always keeps saying that so her family knows it i know it because i saw it and so someone's not listening. She'll shout that out, you know, and that kind of catches everyone and it's cracking me up. So it's the same, totally different. I don't even think the clip is appropriate for kids if I'm remembering correctly, but like they know, and not that, you know, just, they just know that phrase, like they have that and it means something. And so I love being able to pull from those other experiences and integrate that and then add the humor and the fun um, to what could be kind of a tricky situation. Yeah. We talk so much about, um, just stress levels and stress capacity around here. And so, uh, it's, this is something that can be so helpful, but you just have to start doing it. And that's the hardest part. So if you're stuck in a pattern of, you feel like your kids don't listen until you're yelling or you're threatening to take away something, or you're like, I would love to do that, but they don't listen until the fifth time I've asked it and I'm yelling. Um, Give yourself time. Give yourself time as a family to learn a new way forward, to practice a new way forward. Depending on their age, if they're not toddlers, talk to them about it. Hey, I want to try something different. I don't want to be this, I don't want to be level 11 frustrated about uh, picking up our dinner table, you know, dishes. Like I I've been level 11 frustrated. Haven't I been? And that you can kind of like make it funny about you. Like hasn't mom lost it? Yeah quite a few times about the dishes at the table. Like, I don't, I don't like that. Do you like that? No, nobody likes that. And so um, have conversations proactively with your family as you start to try to make some of these changes and then give yourself and the kids time to adjust to a different way. So I would just encourage you, like if you try this tomorrow and it's outside the box for your family, it might not go so right away. It takes time to build a muscle of interacting in a playful, lighthearted, and it takes you resetting what deserves that like strong, strict, sometimes harsh response and what can be corrected in a gentler way. Yeah, I agree. I, I, this also, I feel like we just need to give the disclaimer this is again, not a silver bullet. There's not, there's not like a quick fix to this where like use playful engagement and it solves every blow up right as it starts. It won't, right? Like sometimes you're going to have to go to the next, you know, to the next attempt, the next try, whatever. But um, Rachel, as we kind of close this, this thought out, any kind of final thoughts on this topic or, or things that you want, uh, encouragement you want to offer parents as they're leaving this conversation today? Um, oh, Becca, Becca's was really good. Just say that. Um, I think I love the, the giving yourself grace and giving yourself time to adjust. Um, we didn't jump into even like talking about all the more challenging behaviors and what do you do as it gets harder, but you know, it requires a lot on us as the caregivers to make those changes. And 
One thing I don't know that we really talked about, we talked about the connecting piece, but what goes along with that is empathy. And so if you're thinking about no matter how hard that behavior starts to get, whether it's minor and little and you can use something playful or it's, you know, dangerous even, you know, we can have things, there, kids running into the street or, you know, not um, checking in or riding home with somebody that they shouldn't be riding home with or whatever. Some of these things are more serious than just talking back and playful doesn't always seem like that's the answer. But what I would encourage you to do is think about what do you need if you were in that situation? What would you want somebody to do or help you with? If you can kind of empathize, put yourself in their situation, see what they're going through, then connecting in that moment is way easier. And once we do that and we understand what's going on, then we can find the right tools and pieces in order to help them change that behavior and do it differently the next time. Um, because a lot of times I, I just believe our kids are doing the best they can. I say that a lot. If I've ever, you know, if you've listened to any of my other podcasts, I probably said that on those two, but I really strongly believe they're doing the best they can. And they made what they thought was the best decision in that moment based on all the factors that we don't even think about, you know, I, I can't not do this and get this ridicule from my friends because, then all of these other things happen and it's like the end of the world to them. So just being empathetic and, and that will help you connect. Um, and then finding your way through what that looks like playful, um, and fun and, and just gentle. I'd also just even add that word that it can be more gentle, yeah, um, than pushy, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the right opposite word, but that's where I landed. I love that, Rachel. And I think it's that uh, we started this podcast kind of with the idea of like, what's really going on here? And so connecting while correcting is really about getting to the root. So instead of just, you said it early, instead of just addressing symptoms, kind of whack-a-mole the symptoms, like instead of doing that, take a step, build that relationship. If you've been overreacting, make an adjustment, try playful engagement as, a, as an entryway into some of those little things. Um, and use them more, you know, we've got lots of verses about higher levels of intervention at different places, but even in those, we want to connect. So we want to connect with them and we can do that by seeing through their perspective, showing them empathy, choosing the right boundary or limit that we want to set, um, into them before, after, and during the behaviors. Like there's lots and lots of ways this episode not all things connecting while correcting, That's but right. it's just cracking that. It's just cracking that window a little bit and just trying to see, um, Hey, maybe this is a different way to approach discipline, um, with that lens of let's really connect and let's connect to the root. I think that would be my like final closing. It's just like, let's not keep doing whack-a-mole. <laughs> let's connect with the root of what's going yeah. on and think about a big picture plan of supporting them. Um, the whack-a-mole is exhausting because there's always going to be stuff that pops up. That's not going to stop. Yeah. So good. Y'all, thank you. I appreciate your time today. And yeah, we're going to see y'all soon. Thank you.
Again, a huge thanks to Dr. Rachel Peterman and to Becca McKay for joining us today. Um, and, and again, to reiterate, we'll be talking about discipline over the next several weeks in uh, lots of different facets and ways. And so just another encouragement to not think of this episode as the discipline episode, and that's it, but to think of it as a piece in the puzzle of um, a, a bigger discipline conversation that we're having uh, throughout January. Um, I don't know about you personally, I know that, you know, in our home, we don't need this conversation at all. Like we don't need any conversations about discipline in our home. Everything's perfect. And the holidays were not stressful and there's no fallout from having, you know, pounds and pounds of sugar every day. Um, but for all of you other poor suckers who have these issues, so for everybody here at Power to Connect, for uh, Becca, for Rachel, for uh, Kyle Wright, who edits the audio, and Tad, you and the creator of the music behind it.